And time now to join Alita Robinson and Pastor Samuel of A Reasonable Christianity. Oh, yes, it is time to join us. And <laughs> here we are. And it's already carols. Can you believe that it, we're already heading towards Christmas, Samuel? That's right. We <laughs> are indeed. <laughs> we are indeed. And that is quite an interesting thought. Well... <laughs> It is quite an interesting thought. I mean, I think winter lasted so long we thought it was never going to stop raining. Yes. Now it's so hot we're all sort of melting. Though, you know, you love the heat. I know. That's is right. I'm like, are you speaking on your behalf or yeah, on yeah. mine too? Yeah, you're a, you're a bit of a frog, so <laughs> it makes it... I love the heat. <laughs> <laughs> you love the heat. But anyway, it's, um, it is good it's, to see the sunshine and it's good it's to hear good. some carols, deck the halls and... All that sort of stuff. And I was saying to all the people that had been celebrating when it was cold mm. and laughed at me when it was cold and I was saying, oh, it's cold. I said to them, I don't want to hear, hear peep from anybody. I don't want to hear anybody complain because it's my turn. Your turn it's to be It's my born. turn to be able to <laughs> celebrate. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's hilarious. Well, we are here again. And for our listeners who have been following us, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments. And I was thinking about it coming in. The, the question really was, are the commandments, the Ten Commandments, in the Old Testament still relevant for today? Yes. And, uh, you know, and, and why, yes, basically. That's right. So we've been, uh, we've been going on a bit of a journey with that, mm-hmm. and uh, we've made our way now to number six, number which six, is thou right. shalt not, well, in some cases it's kill, murder, thou shalt not, yeah, kill someone else anyway. <laughs> so uh, we've, we've made our way to there, and for those listeners that um, have missed some of the programs, they are yes. on the podcasts on uh, the Life FM website, so you can go to life1051.org.au, go to yep. the podcast section, and you can hear all of uh, the stuff that we've been talking about That's around right. the Ten Commandments. But That's today, right. we are looking at Thou Shalt Not Kill. That's right. Um, you know, as you were beautifully saying, the, it has been quite a journey, and I did say that by the time we finish this journey here, we'll put some of the old materials, plus more that couldn't have been said on the, on the radio program, only into a booklet, or a book, if you will, and then it will be available uh, from there on. And so it, it's been quite a good walk uh, because some of the things that then we looked at uh, since we started were so relevant to our day, day you know, every day now uh, that, you know, it sort of gave you a fresh look into the commandments. Yes. So we have just come a, a, around and finished commandment number five, which is the commandment with a promise. Mm. And now we're going to look at a commandment number six. And when you look at the commandment, they were given on two tablets. Yes. Five on one side and five on the other. Now, the fifth commandment that is on the first tablet is the link to the next tablet. Without it, there will be no link between the two tablets. Because the fifth commandment is a commandment that tells you how human comes into the world which channels they come into the world and how they need to start learning the godly way of, uh, you know, operating. See, the fourth commandment was honor to God. Then the fifth commandment, honor to parents because they stand in God's position. And then now the next one is thou shall not rasach. Okay, rasach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the Hebrew word that is being translated by King James as thou shall not kill. Now, when you read uh, the it's Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, uh, the translation by King James, thou shall not kill, uh, is, you know, not quite technically accurate. 
Uh, but why am I saying that is given today, given where we are at? So it comes across as not technically accurate because of where we are. Uh, it, you know, it says, thou shalt not kill. And many people have read that, and people have made arguments for, you know, abolishing capital punishment, or people have made you know, arguments, you know, for pacifism, uh, the idea that you can't, under no circumstances, should anybody even take a life. Uh, they've, they've argued from the King James, thou shalt not kill. Without realizing that the King James uh, 16th 10, when it was 1610, when it was translated, uh, the word kill then meant murder as well. And so, in the strongest of sense. But English language has changed, and so we've got a word that is actually a lot more accurate, which other translations use. Now, the Hebrew words, there are two Hebrew words that could be used there. One is a hag, and the one, the other one is chatzach. Now, the um, translation in Exodus uses the word chatzach, and chatzach is used as violence and killing, uh, violence and murder, if you will. So, chatzach uh, is the most appropriate. I was listening to uh, Dennis Prager of uh, Prager University uh, making the case. He's, he's a Jew. And it's written extensively. Uh, he speaks fluently Hebrew, of course, because he's Jewish. <laughs> and he's written the you know, book of, he's done Genesis, he's done Exodus. So he's, he's, he's quite a prolific writer. And so he's making his case. He's done this series on the Ten Commandments. And he's got his take. Uh, and so as I go through the, these uh, commandments, I want to hear from every side. So... I went and sort of listened to him, and I heard him make, make the case there. Now, if you say, the translators say, thou shalt not kill, uh, it is too broad and too confusing, Dennis makes the case, because to kill means to take any life. You know, you're taking any life, taking a human life deliberately or by accident. It's taking a human life, um, you know, legally or illegally, uh, morally or immorally. So it's just, you know, it means taking any life. Yeah, and if you went with that logic, it so therefore means that we are all, according to Dennis, which I think it makes a good point, we all should become vegetarians and and um, you know never eat meat because it requires you kill an animal. Um, oh, because he's saying it's not specific to what you're killing. Yeah, yeah. It, it say, just says thou shalt not kill. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, I understand. So it means if you use, you use kill, then that means just don't kill anything. Kill nothing, not even the pest that is, you know, the white ants that are eating into your house. Don't kill. Okay. You see, when you, you go through the reading of, 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 of the scripture, of scriptures, there's something that's called practical theology. It means it makes no sense if you held to this theological conclusion that is unlivable. Mm. All right, God who sets this, he sets it, it must be lived. Or if the conclusion, as Gregor Cocker will say, if the conclusion ends you up in the land of absurdity, then you must be humble enough to review your conclusion in light of your hermeneutic. Okay? Mm, yeah. So that's the wisdom of being able to look into this. So, uh, but whereas when you say thou shalt not murder, murder is the illegal and immoral taking of a human life. Mm. This is why you don't talk about, oh, no, the chicken was murdered. No. You know, you don't say that the cat murdered a mouse, right? The cat killed a mouse but didn't murder the mouse. Yeah. Or the lion murdered an antelope. 
Well, no. Even when lions, you know, kill each other, we don't say, that, Mr. Lion, you murdered the other, because there is no moral, uh, you know, uh, moral justification or, or moral contours or moral description to the action of a baboon or a, of a lion or an antelope or if two sheep were banging their head until one dies. I've seen that happen before. So, because these are not capable of moral uh, decision. Yeah. And, and that's what we're going to sort of be looking at. So we're going to look at the commandments say, thou shall not murder. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of the, it should have been the easiest commandment to understand. It's on the top of the second tablet, which means it engages the interaction of humans with all the other humans, provided they all come from families and now they're interacting with everybody else. So say, do not take the life of any other human immorally and illegally. Now, I'm going to define when I say illegally. Uh, the reason why it, it was understood illegally because the assumption was always that laws must be built on the necessary foundation of morality. You can't have a legal if it's not moral. Mm. If a law is immoral, of course it must be fought against, it must not be obeyed, and it must be repealed. I'll give you examples. Actually, Aristotle used to say that law must be built on the necessary foundation of morality mm-hmm. because law encourages what is right and discourages what is wrong. Yeah. So you have to start with the idea of right and wrong before you pass a law. Yeah. All the people that are passing even unjust laws and immoral laws, they start by justifying it, it's the right thing to do. You know, Barack Obama used to say, this is the right thing to do. I'm like, who justifies what is right and what is not? Who, who decides? Who's got this standard by which we can justify morality? Now, if you want to know that we've done quite a bit of that particular study. We have. Uh, God yeah. being the source of all moral yeah. You know, reasoning, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, and, and the law of God cuts across culture, whereas the laws that are being done at the moment, yes. uh, they are very cultural specific. That's right. Because even in uh, what's happening overseas, there are countries that are trying to impart or uh, make other countries abide by certain laws before they will do a transactions with them. And they're That's saying, right. well, no, hang on. <laughs> we, don't, we don't agree with that law, so exactly. we won't be abiding by it. We've seen, yes, because you've opened that particular, uh, you know, little box. Door there. Uh, <laughs> We've seen a lot of irrationality among people who are doing that. Yeah. These are the same people who are committed to moral relativism, who said, well, you know, everybody decides what is right and wrong for them. Each culture decides what is right and wrong for them. These people started there. And now these same people are politically p- powerful. Now they are saying that our morals is what you must basically yeah. abide. So you mm. can see the irrationality. It's unbearable. Yeah. But yet, yet they probably, you know, because you can't hold onto a moral position without feeling the duty to actually get that moral position, you know, imp- you know sort of, you know, enforced. You, the idea that, oh, that's more, it's good, right for you, not for me. It was nonsense from the beginning. Mm. But when somebody starts saying this is moral, now they have to have this duty to make sure that everybody abide by the moral. And so they have instead of themselves in the position of God, if you will. Yeah. That's why they basically, if you don't do it, you get punishment. Mm-hmm. All right. We're not going to do transaction with you at other countries. And if you live in this country, you lose your job, you lose whatever else. We're going to talk about that stuff in a moment. Because they, they put themselves in that moral position. Yeah. Yeah. So, therefore, 
uh, thou shalt not murder means thou shalt not kill without proper moral justification. Mm-hmm. There must be a moral justification for which somebody has taken another person's life. And this moral justification is very narrow. Very narrow. Number one is what death that comes due to self-defense. Somebody, your life is being attacked, and so you have to defend your life to preserve it. Yeah. And as a consequence, your attacker dies, it's in self-defense. Yeah. The second uh, uh, reason is when death happens as a consequence of war. Because the same book of Exodus that says that thou shalt not murder or thou shalt not kill as King James say, it still, you know, gives instruction to the children of Israel to go to war. And especially if those wars are justified by divine command, mm. which is divine command theory. And now uh, there's been a lot of you know, talks about just war theories. So the killing in war is only justified if the cause for which the war is happening is a just and moral cause. Mm-hmm. That's why he said, oh, we're in a war, I'm allowed to kill. No, so long as the war itself has got moral justification, then that's how. So all the moral theorists uh, and, and ethicists have been grappling with this question, and theological ethicists, of course, grappling with the question, when a war, when is a war morally justified? And so that's a, that's a question for another time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, I'll hold my tongue then because I was going to say something. <laughs> we'll leave I it for another you. day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. So yes. that's a good place to sort of co- encapsulate the definitions. We're right. talking about Rasah, uh, which means it's the justified moral taking of life. There was a two reasons, very narrow, self-defense and just war. That's that's those are the only two just and a justified war. Yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah, what I'm saying. War. Justified, a, a just war. war yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll come back to that after this uh, with local sound with Agnes Day. Deeper within 
through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made When it's all about you It's all about you And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus You're listening to 105.1 Life FM Bendigo's Positive Choice And we are talking about Thou shalt not murder. That's right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and you're about to open a little box. Are you going to so make my head explode today? <laughs> we're going to... Okay, well, let's see. Let's take a let's stab and, and we, we're going to get there. Now, uh, you know, often when, when we start and prepare these programs, I don't know really sometimes how long it's going to take to be able to finish and communicate that particular concept. So we're going to take it and go with the flow. Mm-hmm. And so bear with us and be listening. So I want you to know that... Apart from all the other four commandments, this, among the, on the horizontal human level, this is the most egregious. This is the most serious of all the remaining five commandments. You know, you've got, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not uh, commit adultery, and thou shalt not uh, steal, and you've got, thou shalt not bear false witness, right? Mm-hmm. So those ones, of those ones, None of them is as egregious as this one. This is why it's at the top. This is Jewish literature. Uh, they say to you, this is the most egregious of all these laws among the laws on the second tablet. Right. So it's one to take very seriously. Now, mm-hmm. we know we take it seriously, but many people do not think of themselves as in violation of this command mm. for a reason. Because they don't think that they're capable of any such act. And when we see those who have done that, because we're considering physical murder, like having murdered somebody physically, taking a physical life of somebody, and then that's how we think that is really egregious and very serious. And, you know, the, the Old Testament recommends capital punishment for people who take someone else's life. Mm. Immorally. Oh, yeah. unjustifiably. Yeah. Okay. So if there is no moral justification for taking a life, the 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 punishment is capital punishment, life for life. Yeah, and in our in a sense, that's sort of where our laws are as well. If um, I mean, there is capital punishment, not in Australia anymore, but there is yes, in, in it used to in overseas. In the US, for example, in yeah. some states like Texas, is still there. Yeah, it's still there. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Now, so let's let's open that up. Why is this the most egregious uh, breach of a commandment? Because of what it takes. Because of what it takes. The murder takes a human life. Mm -hmm. And why is human life so important? Turn to your Bible with me, and I'm going to open up a text real quick. In Genesis chapter uh, 9, verse 6, we are going to read. And here is, uh, it's actually, I always like to read in context. Uh, so remember, this is the story of Noah's descendant. 
When you start from the beginning, then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Remember Genesis chapter 1, verse 6? Mm-hmm. You know, it's coming back up. Yeah. I was going to give you Genesis chapter 1, verse 6 after this one. So the fear and the dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground and all the fish in the seas. They are given into your hands. So God is reestablishing the you govern mandate. Okay. Man will need to continue to govern the rest of creation. Mm -hmm. So the mandate is given here to Noah after the flood. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Mm-hmm. All right, let's settle that one. That's right? interesting, yes. Okay, so man has been given, uh, sorry, you, you vegetarian and stuff like that. Okay, well, it's, you're happy to make that decision. But I want you to know on the scriptural ground here, after the flood, God said everything that lives and moves about is just there for you, for you to eat as food. Just as I give you the green plants, I now give you everything. Give you green plants in the Garden of Eden. Now every other thing is there for you to eat as Food, including meat. But you must not eat meat that has its life blood still in it. This is in before Exodus. This is before Exodus. That's why, you know, you, when you find all the Jewish traditional, you've got to let the blood out so that the meat it doesn't have blood because the life of every creature is in, in the blood. blood. That's mm-hmm. right. Okay. And for your life blood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from from every animal, from each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Verse 6, whoever sheds human blood, in other words, anybody who kills another human, whoever sheds human blood by humans or human hands, by humans shall their blood be shed. Okay, let me read that again. Whoever shed, I'm reading NIV, whoever sheds human blood, by human blood shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God man made mankind. Yep. The justification for not taking human life is a huge one. It is because man was made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. That is the justification for why no person, no human being is justified to take a human life unjustifiably, that, that proper moral justification, because only God from whom life comes is justified to take the life. Because mm. he's the giver of life, and only him can take life. Mm. Because life is ease. When God takes a life, let me clear this up because a lot of people who themselves have put themselves in the position of God, taken human lives in so so many ways, by abortion, for example. Yeah. And they have set themselves, elected themselves to be so high above God that they could judge him for why did he decide that this person would die at this point or that point. When they decided they could take the life of the unborn at any point. Yeah. Right? They hear politicians also so they they get indignant at God while they make themselves go. So let me establish this principle as clear as possible. Only God can give life and only God can take life whenever. Because he, he always has because God is just and righteous, he himself 
has always got the morally justified reason why this life can come to an end right now. Any objection against that is to judge his sovereign. Yeah. It is actually an act of, I'm going to say this gently, but there's no other way to say it. It's an act of arrogance beyond measure. Mm-hmm. For anybody to stand in place of judgment to judge the giver of life, whom basically didn't owe anybody life at all. The fact that he actually gives us life at all is an act of grace. Yes. So he gives us life, and then we want to tell him, you, are not, you can't say when this life is going to end. Well, he decided when this life is going to be in, begin in the first place. Mm. But we want to tell him, now we own it. If you dare to take it, I'm going to make sure you know. What? Okay. So only God can take life because he's always got morally, you know, necessary reasons, morally justifiable reasons to take life. No other human beings can do that unless the two narrow conditions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now. Because what you need to understand is, here is the Jewish Hebraic tradition. Since man was made in, a, in the image of God, the life of man is infinitely precious. And as I was saying, only God himself has the right to give and to take life. So it is because of the infinite value of human life. How do the Jews uh, you know, show that life, human life is infinitely uh, 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 valuable and I, 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 I will open this up even more it is by saying they ask the question in the Mishnah uh, that why did God make one man and then from that one man you read it in First Corinthians all the human race came yeah. because in that one man was the life of every other man that ever proceeded from there follow that logic for a moment so from one man all the rest of the men came when you take one life, guess how many lives you've taken? Thousands. Inimaginable amount. Mm-hmm. If you take the proposition that Adam, from him came Eve, because the two were in, fused together, and then from these two parents, okay, came the human. Now, if you take one life, you have taken every other life. Like, can you imagine from Adam came 7.5 billion people? Yeah. So if you take one life, think about it within, you know, consider, I mean, it depends on where you sit, you know. If you're in a Christian fold, some subscribe to millions of years, some subscribe to 6,000 years. Whether it's millions or 6,000 years, we have 7.5 billion people right now. Mm. They will come from one man. So if you count 6,000 years from now, from the life you took, you can imagine how many lives you took. Are you with me? Yeah. It's it's hard it's hard to get your head around, but you know that the seed of, uh, like man carries a lot of seed, um, and women carry um, all the eggs of children in there from from babies. So yes. so life is already within the human body, multiple lives within yeah. the human body, and you've talked about you know what it takes to get to yes, to one yes. individual. Yes. But um, but yeah, I mean I haven't really thought of it that way. It is serious. Yeah. Because once the egg, see, when it's just the sperm, it's not a human life. No. It's just a cell within the man. Mm-hmm. When it's the egg, the ovum, it's just another cell in the female life. Yeah. Okay? But when the two come together at the moment of conception, then, and the spirit and the soul and the, uh, the, the body, all of them come into existence at that point. Yeah. 
So a new human life has come into being. Mm. You see, there is no point at which there was no, there was a period of non-life. You know, people ask, when does life begin? Well, duh, life begins at conception. That's the moment at which life comes together. Mm. There's no point of non-life because the sperm was alive, the egg was alive, but the two cells, once they fuse, then life is began at the moment where the sperm enters the ovum. That's it. Yeah. All right? So, therefore, you find this saying that if you take one life, whosoever takes a single life, destroy therefore a whole world. This is written in Jewish literature. Mm. And whosoever saves one life, the scripture accounted as though a whole world had been saved. This is Sanhedrin 4, uh, verse 5. Now, even if you go into Islam, uh, the prophet of Islam, at least Muhammad, yep. uh, Muhammad, the, the founder of Islam, adopted this. This is written in the Quran. And when, you know, there was this sort of discussion about the jihads and people who, who go and commit sort of these murderous jihadist, jihadist wars, uh, you know, the, all the Muslims that wanted to counter that would say, oh, look, our Quran says, if you kill one human being, you've killed, killed all mankind. Because he took, he took it from the Jewish tradition yeah. that taking one life is taking every other life that comes with it. Mm. It is a serious, serious offense. Very, very serious. Okay? Yep. Are, are you with me? Yep. Now, this is the first way to look at... Now, I'm going to talk about, you know, value. You know, intrinsic and instrumental value. I'll talk, talk about it uh, in a moment. But bear in mind that taking a life, taking a life unjustifiably, immorally, is causing an immense loss to an entire human race. Oh, absolutely. We, we constantly talk about um, the, the things, you know, that, that, that we can invent and the, the things that can be happening. And, you know, there's, there's so many possibilities in the world at the moment for very clever people to be able to, to provide solutions for some of the things that are happening in That's the world. That's right. And we are killing off or society is killing off these children yes. that have the potential to be the answer to the problem the solution to the problem, That's and they right. don't even think about it. It's just, it's yeah. nothing. Right. It, it's nothing. They, they, the value of that, they don't actually see that, and that, that always blows my mind. That's right. That you know, there are so many people that have gone, and all the potential of those people. When we see the potential of what people are, right. are doing now already, the potential of these people that are, that have not come into the world. That's right. We've lost so much. Yeah. And think about it this way. Uh, I like to sort of go by what Miles Monroe uh, used, used to say. He said, suppose Moses was aborted. Yeah. Skilled. Or at birth. Infanticide. Because there was an order given yeah, that every Jewish everybody. baby yeah. needed to be killed, right? Yep. So suppose that Moses was killed at birth. Mm. Look at all the entire Torah. Now, suppose... <laughs> Doesn't bear thinking about, does it? That's right. No. That's right. Yeah. And look at all the heroes. We could go from ancient people to people who have had tremendous uh, impact on a lot of you know, West, Western living today. Yeah, yeah. S- suppose people like Winston Churchill was, was voted. Yeah. Suppose that people like, you know, Alexander Bell, the man who invented the, what was become the telephone now, you know, was made. Uh, suppose uh, Thomas Edison, okay? Suppose Abraham Lincoln, or, you know, you could go on and on. I can tell you that 
the world is worse off when a human life is being taken. Mm. And so that is a thought worth bearing. There is no reason, justifiable reason, apart from self-defense and just war, for which a life, human life can be taken. All right. Well, this is a very interesting discussion, and uh, we're going to come back to it after Anna Beden has sung Unimaginable. deep inside your soul Have you ever felt a love that never would grow cold and have you ever found the peace that trumps no matter what may come and the patience of a high school teacher
You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bednigo's Positive Choice, and I hope that you're enjoying the discussion and where we're heading with the the commandment that is the most egregious, you said, wasn't that it, is, Samuel? Uh, the most egregious commandment yeah. um, because it really has got the most uh, so much weight for the for human for humanity and mankind and God's and man's relationship with God yes and uh, and so that that commandment thou shalt not murder yes only has two exceptions mm. as you were saying that's right now let's say, let's let's go a bit further then uh, in before I actually bring you to the New Testament you see how Jesus treats that commandment mm-hmm Matthew chapter 5, 21, just grab it already. Jesus was a Jew and reading from uh, the Torah. And so Jesus has got the treatment of the commandment as he's laying down his yoke. He's laying down his instruction, his, his way of reading the commandment. So I'm going to get to that. Just open that and stick a, a finger on that or what, you know, it's something to sort of hold a particular page. Let me then open when we read Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, mm-hmm. the, the, the prohibition for taking human life was predicated on the fact that they were made in the, hum, in the image of God. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. what confers to man intrinsic value. Yes. What is intrinsic? It means value from within. Value that does not change. It's not conferred without. It doesn't come from outside. If something has got value in itself, it means the value is in it and it's not determined by external forces. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because it's the value that God places on us. That's right. It's not the values that people place on us. That's what I mean. Yeah. So you can see God has placed in man the intrinsic value which gives or confers to the human being an intrinsic worth. Mm. All right? So... In that sense, I like there are things that got intrinsic. Love, for example, love is a moral good. It's got the intrinsic value. There's no point at which you know. I mean, love. I mean, appropriate love, where love itself becomes evil. No, because it's love is intrinsically moral. Mm-hmm. All right, so it doesn't change it, that, that kind of that kind of stuff. So is beauty, for example. The value of beauty is intrinsic in the beauty itself. Now. The value of human beings is intrinsic to the human. Why? Because the human being is a an image bearer. Yes. Image bearer. Yeah. Okay? Bears the image of God. Rabbi Zacharias used to say this interesting thing. Uh, he, he said, like, the, the, the Jews asked Jesus once, should, should we pay taxes? He's like, well, give me a denarius, he said. Okay, they gave me a denarius. He said, okay, whose image is on here? So they said, okay, well, this is Caesar's image. He's like, oh, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And he stopped there, and I said, give to God what is God's. And those people, the you say, I wondered, why didn't they ask him, what is God's then? Because his answer would have been obvious. Mm. That which has the image of God will be God's. Yes. And only men have the image of God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. God says, let us make men according to our image, according to our own likeness, and let them rule. So, man is made in the image of God. That's why man's worth is intrinsic, because man bears the image of God. And the justification for not killing man is because he's the image bearer. Mm. Now, what do we mean by image of God? Do we mean God is a physical being? Because we, we so focus on the physicality, right? Yeah. We focus on this physical shell here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what 
does the Bible mean by the image of God? Does that mean God is a human being like us? With, you know, is, is, does that mean he's got a body? No, that doesn't. God is not a physical self. No. He's spirit. John chapter 4, 24. God is spirit. Everybody knows that. And so what does it mean that God, uh, you know, man is in the image of God? Man is in the image of God because man has what is called communicable properties that are different from God's infinite properties. Like, for example, God is self-existent. Mm-hmm. He exists as say. It means by the necessity of his own nature. Okay? So those kind of God is, you know, uh, everlasting past and everlasting future. is basically timeless, if you will. And so I can give you a number of characteristics of God that are incommunicable. But the one chief communicable characteristic of God is that God is personal. Right. God is personal. Yeah. By that, I mean God is person. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, when we say person, because we become so materialistic driven in our, that's why we think, oh, matter of physical life, oh, serious. But we don't understand there is more to man than just the physical self. Man is spirit. Mm-hmm. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May the Lord uh, uh, sanctify your whole spirit, soul, and body. Okay? Yeah. Man is spirit, because God is spirit. Man is a soul, and man lives in a body. Mm-hmm. Now, the spirit is the substance of God. That's what God is. God is spirit. And so, man is spirit, and that's what differentiates him from all the rest of the animals fundamentally. Mm. Because man is spirit. Then the second thing that is fundamental that differentiates man from all the animals is that man has a soul. And the soul of man is a higher soul. All the other animals have got souls, but their souls are not the same as the, uh, the soul uh, of a man. Yeah. You know why? It's because the soul of man is a conscious soul. It's got a first-person self-consciousness capacity. The soul of man is capable of intellect. Okay, it is capable of you know uh, you know being conscious. It's co- capable of analysis. It's capable of you know understanding of language and articulation, rational soul. As, as, as many Christian theologians say, the uh, soul of man is a rational soul. Mm-hmm. Okay, is a rational soul. So they, there's been a lot of um, um, linguists and and a lot of you know. Um, you know, um, you know, uh, researchers who have done it's primatologists. I was looking for the word primatologists. Uh-huh. Primatologists who've done a lot of work on primates to try to see whether the primates who are supposed to be the closest cousin to man, uh, whether they have the capacity. They can, you know, the primates. The research, the body of research is overwhelming. Done for years. Yeah, you can teach a primate, like, if you press this button here, the banana is going to come there, and da, 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 da. But it cannot, you know, sort of engage in the language of description of the bananas and formulation of sentences and abstract concepts about bananas like humans do. Mm-hmm. They can't learn sign language, you know. They can learn signs to get, like, the way you train a dog. But they cannot communicate abstractly. Like, you can, I can sit with you and I can teach you the laws of logic. Yes. And I can give you a whole bunch of abstract concepts that you can understand. Here's another capacity that man has got. Man can think that he's thinking while he's thinking that he's thinking about what he's thinking about. <laughs> 
So you can see the layers at yeah. which men can think. Oh, what are you thinking about? Well, I was thinking about that while I was thinking that I was thinking about that, and then I thought about this. There's a, a number of layers of thinking that men can actually go under. Mm-hmm. So man is a rational soul. So that gives men personality. The personality of a man is not in the man's spirit, the, because all are made in the image of God. The personality of man is in the soul of man. Yeah. So in your soul, there is your intellect, so the thinker self, there is the feeler self, and there is the chooser self. Mm. Understand? Yeah. So these are the three components of the personality of the man. This is why the soul of man is capable of moral choices. Mm. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. So in that sense, because God is also a soul, God thinks, feels, and decides. You know, God has got a will, and we submit our will to the will of God. So in that sense, man is in the image of God because his spirit, he has a soul. Even though God doesn't have a physical body, when we say God, man is in the image of God, it's not the body we're describing. No. All right? The body is, is basically matter. But we've lived in a world that is so physicalist that we think all we are is, is a body. Mm. You see, people think that what thinks in you is, is the brain. No, the brain doesn't think. The brain is an instrument your mind uses to interact with the physical world. It's like this way. You can take the example between a car and its driver. Because you can say, but how about if somebody gets brain damage, they can't think anymore, their thinking is impaired. Yes. Why? Because there's a double causation. There's a lot of body of work written by you know, philosophers of mind, people like J.P. Morland, uh, philosophers of mind, extensive body work. And from a Christian perspective, that you, a believer, you need, every believer I'm saying to you right now, you need to read that stuff. Yeah. So you don't get caught into thinking that murder is just only physical. I'm about to hit you something really hard right now. And this comes from the words of Jesus, not me. Okay. So man is spirit and soul. Okay, this is interesting uh, given the time we have. So let me run as, 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 as fast as we can. So look at it now, therefore, from this standpoint, that when the Bible says murdering a man is egregious because he was made in the image of God, is because murder goes across the entirety of the human. You don't just murder a person because you murder their physical self. Right, yes, yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. So we hold that thought, and mm-hmm. when we come back, Matthew chapter you, 5, we read. Yes, so everybody needs to uh, open Matthew chapter 5, <laughs> and uh, we'll go from there. All right, here's um, Amy Grant, and we'll pop a little carol in here. This is Emmanuel.
Oh, I do have to say that's one of my favourites. Mm. <laughs> I do like Amy Grant's uh, Christmas album. She's got some great stuff on that. Anyway, we are about to launch into Matthew chapter 5. That's right. Yes. Now, this is, Matthew chapter 5 is a sermon on the mount. Mm-hmm. And this is Jesus' rendering or Jesus' uh, explanation of the Ten Commandments. Now, uh, it, it has, um, you know, it starts when you read, you know, from verse 70, it says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophet. I have not come to abolish, but I've come to fulfill them. Yeah. So that's where it starts. I truly tell you that until heaven and earth disappears, not the smallest letter, not at the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until every one of them is fulfilled. Mm. So when Jesus came to fulfill the law, the first thing that Jesus did is raise the bar of the law. The bar of the law needs to be raised so high for men to realize that there is no way men can by their own strength be able to actually fulfill the law. Yeah. This is the reason why he raised the bar. Now, you will notice that when you read this particular section of the New Testament, Jesus said, you have heard it was said, but I say. Yes. Many Christians who don't, who, who don't understand the Jewish tradition today, they think that, well, you know, it's like Jesus was just offering his opinion. <laughs> yeah. Like anybody who just, well, look, they said that, but I, you know, I say. I say. You know, <laughs> you don't understand Nobody dared to try and say anything more on top of what Moses said. Yes. Because the Jews knew the source of these commands. They came from God himself. The first tablet written with the finger of God. Mm. You know, God himself cut the tablet and wrote, I did, did, did that as part of our beginning series. Yeah. God cut the tablet and wrote on it. When Moses broke those, God said to him, okay, well, now you, you're going to cut the tablet. I'm going to write on it, but you're going to cut it. Mm. All right. So he cut the tablet and took it there and God wrote on it. So everybody knew that these commandments, see, you aren't tingling with it. You're not tinkling with this stuff. No. Because God wrote this with his own finger. Yes. Now, for anybody to come and start giving this rendering, it must have been what they call in Israel a rabbi with shmika. Yes. Okay? When you read in your Bible, it says, one who speaks like with authority. You know, when we think about it, we think oh, it's like somebody who's been like in charge. No, no. It means somebody, everybody recognize this one comes from God. Therefore, he can give us his interpretation. The interpretation is not taken lightly. It's an explanation, an opening up, an elaboration. See, an elaboration of the commandment. Mm. Okay? So that's how the Shmika worked. Now, during the times of Jesus, there were two rabbis who had Shemika at the time. There was Shammai and Hillel. They were recognized to have Shemika. So there was two schools of thought. And so then Jesus came, and all the other rabbis started to recognize he had Shemika. Mm. For example, in his discourse, in his conversation with Nicodemus, Nicodemus said, well, I'm, I, we surely, we, he says we, it's from the Sanhedrin. Yeah. He said, we surely know, we, we may not tell you in the open, but uh, you've, you have come to see in the night, we know you come from God. Because no one who is not coming from God can speak with the kind of shmika you do. Yeah. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. The things, the things you say. So I want to come and know, how do I get into this kingdom you've been talking about? So even Nicodemus, who was a rabbi in the Sanhedrin, knew Jesus had Shemekah. Mm. So Jesus is therefore, if you have Shemekah as a rabbi, then you do lay what is called the yoke. You know, they come unto me, my yoke is easy. You know, take instruction from me. Yeah. And uh, where people think that yoke was like sticking these big pieces of of wood on the on the ox. You know, that, that kind of, I've had all kind of teaching in the church. It's a misunderstanding of Jewish tradition, big time. I can't tell you how upset I am <laughs> that all of the things that I learned as a child, well, yes. well not all of them, but, you know, there are some, some very key things, things yes. that you go, oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> Now I know. That's why every time, you know, you come up with something, I bl- it blows my mind because another thing has gone bang in my head. That's anyway, right. Keep going. Sorry. So here we are. Jesus is saying, well, come and take my elaboration of the law. I've come to fulfill the law, so I'm going to elaborate this law for you. And when he elaborates it, he sets the bar so high. Let me, before I, I go anywhere, we all know, for example, the text in verse 27. Yeah, hang on. Just just with that thought, you're saying he put it that high because then people would realise that as they were doing at that time, they were working their way to salvation by obeying all these laws. But they couldn't. But they couldn't. That's right. So Jesus actually extrapolated that out That's a little right. further yep. so that people would understand that the only way That's to right. do that was to come to him. That's right. Because and then that burden is gone, and that's, that's right. why the yoke is so. Light. That's right. Ah, oh, see, there you go. <laughs> that's right. That's why his yoke was I easy. I get it now. <laughs> it's easy because he's bearing it. Yeah. He told you, "Oh, I've come here to fulfill this stuff." Yeah. So you don't have to struggle through it again. Yeah. You guys are going to trust me. Yeah. And then I carry your yoke, your, mm. your burden, so that you don't have. See, come out to me, you are heavy laden, and we I give you rest. Yeah. Right? Shabbat. Yeah. There you go. So uh, that, that's what, one more opening there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so when you read verse 27, just quickly, because we've got only a few minutes, we're going to leave you with this one hanging. You've got to listen to this. This is great. When you read verse 27, look what Jesus said. Everybody knows this one, but they read lightly the one in 21. Let's read 27. You have heard that it was said. So, you have heard that the Lord says, mm-hmm. You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, or with lust in their heart, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, in Jesus' reading of the commandment, it wasn't just how, you know, you can fantasize about her, you can do whatever, but so long as you've not engaged physically there, you haven't committed adultery, that's how it used to be. Yeah, so that's you can where, say, well, where he raised the bar. And he, I mean, he said that around murder too, didn't he? Well, that's yeah, where we're where going. We're going, and going back. So yeah. you see, even with the Jews, they're still struggling with the scene of intent. I'm listening yeah. to, to, um, to Dennis Prager's like, no, that can't be right. How can you indict somebody of sin of thoughts? Mm. Right? Mm. Here's Jesus. The sin of intent and willful intent in the heart. Doing it in your heart. Mm. Doing it in your heart. You don't have to do it in the physical, to the physical, because you are not just the physical. Do you remember when Jesus was challenged by by the Jews to say, but you disciples weren't washing their hands? He said to them, he said to them, 
Well, it's not what goes in there that 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 basically defiles the man. It's what comes out. Yeah. Because from the heart, talking about the soul of man, yeah. from the heart comes you know evil intent, murders and everything else, adultery. From the heart. Yeah. The soul is well, very capable of, of sin of breaking the law as much as the body is capable of breaking the law. Well, it follows through, doesn't it, from That's what the soul right. has already decided. That's right. Yeah. So the murdering of a soul is as serious. As the murdering of the body, that's um, what I'm going to leave it to. Ah, okay. Let's read verse 21 and 22, and we're going to leave it there for today. Uh You need to think about this. You have heard it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Anyone who murder will be subject to judgment. In other words, you will be punished. Yeah. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which means idiot, useless, is answerable to court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Mm. Yeah. Now, this, this is, we're going to open that section of the law when we come back next, next time. Week, yeah. You'll understand murder is not just the way what you thought it. Murdering the body, yes, but murdering the soul because the soul is what makes the man in the image of God as much as his spirit. Oh, okay, well, that's, uh, that's really exciting and I'm hoping that everybody will be able to join us again next week for Q&A with Samuel. Yes. <laughs> as we continue on with this particular one, thou shalt not murder and, uh, and murder is not just about Taking the physical life. That's right. All right. Thank you so much, Samuel, again for your time today. And we will catch everybody again next week. Be blessed. You've been blessed. So go and be a blessing to someone else in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.